Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to hear our convo, our little stories, or for our new listeners and sharers. Welcome. I hope you love it. So where did we get the name The Well? John 4 tells the story of a woman who goes to the well in the hottest part of the day to get water. She was ashamed of her life and went when no one would be there. But Jesus was there and he was waiting for her. He wanted to use her. He had a plan for her at this point in her life to move his ministry forward. She left that day and told everyone about him. She ran right into the middle of the conversation to the very people she was hiding from. Today, we are going to hear from Ellen. And if you knew Anna from our first podcast and Ellen from this one, you would think that we did this on purpose to try to find two people completely different from one another. But we are not that talented or forward thinking. So Ellen is one of those people that when you meet her, she is just calm and good. I talk to her and I just feel calmer and more stable. I am someone that really cannot have too much Ellen in my life. Thank you, Ellen, so, so much for showing me how to be rational. Ellen is interviewed by her good friend, Amy. So let's tune on in. So I just want to start with the present. Mm-hmm. Um, today was this uh, rainy Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So if I would have popped in at your house and um, what would I have seen? Describe the scene that was going on in your house on this Sunday morning. Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sunday mornings are just a blur of activity at our house. Um, my husband, Tom, and I have three children, a 15-year-old boy, a, 10-year-old, a 12-year-old girl, and a 10-year-old boy. So um, it's a full morning at our house. And this morning, uh, we have this ongoing argument about LeBron James. Will he be traded? Who's the best basketball player? Every single morning, my boys argue over that. And my daughter's like, who cares? I don't care about him. Um, I don't even know who he plays for. He he plays for the Cavs. I know because my son, Witt, is a huge Cavs fan. And for his birthday, his grandparents gave him a ticket to the Charlotte Hornets game versus the Cavs. He's going to get to see, hopefully, if LeBron's not injured, get to see him play. So Who's taking him? uh, My parents are. They're going to take him overnight, and um, it was a school night, so I couldn't go, but um, that's kind of, I mean, and then if you came over this afternoon after church, golf was on, Um, we were arguing over golf or Pokemon, which one would be on the TV, (laughs) neither one of those were my choice, but um, just lots of bouncing around, lots of noise, Um, my home is a, is, it's just a, it's full of people. So the Olympics wasn't on the thing, it was golf. I know. It's, um, well, my husband is a big golfer, loves to golf, um, and golfs. He loves it. And so if golf is on, then, then we're watching that. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's, um, let's start. Let's go back. Okay. And I want to kind of to get a full picture of who you were as a um, growing up girl. Because yeah. I'm always interested in people's middle names. What was yes. your full name? Um, Ellen Page Jansen. It's my birth name. Ellen Page. Yeah, Ellen Page. Yeah. Well, who was Ellen Page Jansen? Um, Describe her as you look back on her now. Yeah. um, Awkward. (laughs) Really awkward. Uh, Bouffant bangs, large front teeth. Um, Pretty, like my awkwardness often, and still I struggle with it, gets in the way. Um, I'm just such in my head thinking about what I will say. Um, 
when I'm around people. I'm the kind of person who, um, if I have to like sit in a circle and share something interesting, all of a sudden there is not an interesting thing about me. <laughs> There's nothing interesting about me um, in groups. Sometimes I struggle, you know. I'm a slow processor, so I may not even be able to keep up with the conversation. I'm still thinking about what we were talking about, and we've moved over there, and I'm like, ah, I'm trying to get up. So, um, yeah, just awkward. Um, I grew up um, in upstate. Um, My mom and dad are still married. Um, They live on Edisto Island. I have one sister. Um, But, um, yeah, kind of shy. Definitely an introvert. I'm super introverted, like on the hermit end of the scale. So I am always so like, Why? Why? <laughs> this is so inside my comfort zone. <laughs> um, but I'm, I have extroverted. I have two children. One who's a supreme extrovert, and those who know him will know who I'm talking about. But I mean, I'm like, why do you want to leave the house? Why don't you want to stay in the house? We need to stay in the house and be together. We should never leave. You know, but he's like, I got to go. So, um, but yeah, really introverted, pretty shy. Um, struggled um, from early on in my childhood with my weight. I started dieting when I was in fifth grade. Oh my gosh. Um, How so old is that? Fifth me. grade is 12? 10, 10, yeah. Um, yeah, so started diet, went on a diet in fifth grade and um, just had some, you know, that, that really bore a lifelong struggle with my self-image, um, um, what I think of myself. In fact, my husband and I were talking the other day and I had just had a real tearful moment. I shared this last week in my Sunday school, but um, it was, we had, you know, it was kind of an intimate moment for us and, and I started to cry and he was like, why are you crying? And I just said, you know, I just still am not at peace with my body. And he was like, I just don't understand it. I think you're so amazing. Like, I love everything about you. And I just, you know, I married someone who is so, encourages me all the time about, he truly believes I'm beautiful. And I pray that my sons will grow up to see beauty like he does. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with such an example, they will. I mean, he's a human and he, you know, he's got his own things. But that's one thing that I can definitely <laughs> brag on about he's him. He's the only perfect yes. man on this planet. Yeah, but, but um, I said, I just, you know, I, I hear you and I want to receive that, but I also want to tell you like what it's like to grow up being told that you aren't, you don't fit the beautiful mold. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to lose weight. Um, who were those voices that were speaking into you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there was definitely me. I felt my weight, but I also had some experiences where um, in eighth grade, I got up the courage to borrow my mom's bikini. <laughs> and that's one and only time I ever wore a bikini. I wore it to the pool. And um, so later that night, overheard some friends talking about seeing me in my bikini and how that was motivation for them to, to stay in shape and lose weight. When I was in college, a fraternity boy rated me a two. They were rating people at Sorority Rush, rated me a two. So, I mean, like, if I wanted to gather evidence, yeah. I could do it, right? I could do it. But... Um, so a little bit internal, a little bit external. Just looking at, I'm very sensitive for both my boys and my daughter, yeah. what the media portrays as beautiful. Um, and there's, we know, we're women, right? Everybody, well, there's some men in here. But <laughs> we're women, you know? And, I mean, we know what what is being portrayed to us as beautiful, what our culture and what our world says. And um, just, I've, I never felt beautiful. Just I never felt so that. interesting that that was a root 
that started when you're young. And mm-hmm. here you are still having conversations with your mm-hmm. husband of that broken piece mm-hmm. um, that is still there. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of ground to cover there. And, I mean, I'm so I'm thankful for, for, for the grace of Christ and how he carries us and unfolds that truth over seasons. And, I, and I'm in a better place yeah. than I was then. Um, We're all but, just a work in progress. Yes. And I think that that is something that even though we're elevated on the stage, there is nothing um, that is, is different. It's just the struggle is real for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I love this kind of forum because hopefully we can put words to those things that often are hidden. Because when we bring hidden things to light, um, that's when, when, when we can really be free from that. Mm-hmm. And so I love that, that piece that you said right off the bat because um, I, too, wrestle with that image of the older you get. I mean, there's just never a, there's never a, a plateau no. that you reach, that you yeah. check the box. Yeah. Because it's an internal thing. Right, it is. And it's a constant mm-hmm. struggle and journey. Um, and so but, from that point, yes. the broken part of that, yeah. um, when, did you, when did you begin to see um, truth speak into that, um, that hurt? Well, that would come years later. Okay. Um, uh, I definitely, I grew up going to church, but didn't really understand what um, grace was or what that meant for me or what it meant to be valued by God. In fact, and I still struggle with this. I'm constantly convinced that I'm doing something wrong, right? Like I, I just kind of had this fear of, of being a disappointment and it all kind of rolled together. You know, I was sort of like an also ran, you know, like I wasn't the prettiest, I wasn't the smartest. I, um, what did you just say? An also ran. What does that mean? Like runner up, second place. I don't know. I've Maybe a word I made up. I'm, I do that a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did <laughs> also ran. write that down? Also I don't know. Ran. I guess I made that up. <laughs> Everybody's like, Ooh. I think they know. Yeah, there's some nods. Okay, thank you, Betsy. Thank you. Also ran. Yeah, like just an outsider. Yeah, I know. Definitely um, did not, even like that is something that over time I have um, grown in healing um, some and um, have really pursued, you know, help. Um, with that, with my thought life and how I think about myself and my appearance. And obviously God really gave me a gift in my husband. I mean, there were seasons where like when he was with me, I could feel confident, but when he wasn't, I started to, and that's not, I'm not sharing that as a healthy way to be. Um, but, um, definitely that's a theme that has been carried throughout my life. But, um, you know, that, that insecurity, that deep seated conviction that I'm, I've either disappointed someone, I am disappointing someone, or I will disappoint someone, is kind of makes this hamster wheel living where you're constantly trying to be what will be pleasing to other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's kind of how I lived um, most of my young adult life. Um, I, I call it shape-shifting. It's like, well, let me be what you want me to be um, to make you happy or um, and you don't might not even ask, you might not even be demanding, but I just want to make sure that you approve of me because I didn't have any sense of approval from within. Um, and that, you know, I grew up in a stable home. I have loving parents. This was just an issue in my own heart, um, and you know, some some issues with body image that, you know, kind of came from around me too. But um, so you said yeah. shape shifting. Yeah. So. Tell me more about what that looks like and how that plays into your brokenness. Like in a situation, like if you were, um, I don't know, going for an interview or, or going on a date before Tom and, and all that, what what does that really look like, the shape-shifting part? Can you put words to that, that dialogue? Yeah, shape-shifting looks like 
okay, so once I get to know you, I learn everything that you like, what matters to you, what you think is um, good and approval worthy, and then I'm going to work super hard to be that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to get in front of any disappointment that I might could cause in your life, and I'm going to head it off at the pass. So it's really tiring. It's a very performance-based living. It's, it's kind of like you're on that hamster wheel, and you're just, you're just going, 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 trying so hard. Like, I just got to keep everybody, and no one, and it, I'm not saying that there was someone in my life who was like, you need to work hard to make me happy. It just was, it just was a piece, a broken piece inside of me and I think we all have different themes of brokenness and this is one that even I still struggle with I mean I still struggle with it I will have lies just float into my brain oh that person just they don't want to talk to me I'm so boring or oh, I messed that up or I'm I've so disappointed them and I can create again because I'm very good at creating evidence for my lives <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is true because X, Y, and Z. And I spend all this time like just like a little squirrel with a net. And so um, it is that shape-shifting. That shape-shifting. Gotcha. That's really, I've never put that word to it because I too look to please. And, and one of the things, this is so interesting because we're on the same kind of journey in the sense that, that I'm just realizing that I um, assess what you need me to be and then I become that. And I was just in a situation, um, in an interview situation in which I didn't know who they wanted me to be. And I walked in and I didn't know who to be. Mm-hmm. And it was the weirdest, kind of uncomfortable, kind of vulnerable, who am I kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hear what you're saying. That's, it's a hard place yeah. to be. It's a hard place to be. And, it's, um, and what it does is it really puts the emphasis on what you do, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's always more to do, right? There's always more that you can do, um, when we when we're just focused on our works and our performance, um, you just can't reach perfection because we as humans aren't perfect. Whether you believe anything else about the gospel, I mean, we have nobody's perfect. I tell my kids that all the time. Like nobody's perfect, you know. Um, so um, that's definitely something that followed me. And so I was a deep, really insecure person, and not very. Um, I didn't have a lot of self knowledge. And I've really had to grow in that as an adult. Um, and I still struggle with that, um, just knowing who I am in the Lord. Um, so but knowing, that's, knowing this piece, this yeah. broken piece that has streamed, kind of been a thread, mm-hmm. a common thread throughout, what were some of the things that you tried to do to fix it? Well, that's a great question, Amy. That leads right where I was going. But um, I, I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up going to church. Um, and so, I, and I was typical firstborn. I'm, I'm a good rule follower. I have a very strong sense of justice. If you are married to a firstborn, if you are a firstborn, if you have a firstborn, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I mean, a lot of times the justice was filtered through what I thought was right and wrong. But um, just a typical good girl. You know, I was a good girl. Um, but again, not a real understanding of grace. And, um, and I, again, just with feeling so um, unworthy um, and just feeling like my life didn't look like I felt like the world was telling me was a good life, was a loved life, was a valuable life. Um, I actually, when I went to college, totally separated from, from going to church or anything like that. And in fact, um, I met a friend um, my freshman year in high school. I left my door open. My mom said, leave your door open. And my friend's mom said, if you see a door open, right? And so she wait, stopped wait, in she my room. She said to leave your door open so that people yeah, could come in and talk to you. Yeah, come by and talk to you, which I'm like, I don't want anybody to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say. 
hey, as soon as they come in, I'm just going to be like, uh. So, um, so, but this friend did stop by, and she said, she was asking me, like, what are you interested in doing in college? And um, I said some things. I don't know what I said. <laughs> Who knows? Something. And she said, oh, well, I'm going to do this campus ministry. And I told her, I said, oh, that's great. I don't want to have anything to do with God. <laughs> I'm done with him. He had not gotten me anywhere, right? I had been good. I had followed the rules. And I didn't have the things that I thought said made me good. Um, I'd never dated a boy. I didn't feel pretty. I wasn't in the in crowd. I mean, this is an 18-year-old brain, right? Like, that was my whole world. Did you say that out loud? Not all of that, but okay. I did say. <laughs> I don't even know if I could no, have said I, that. I'm done with God. Yes, yeah, so I said, you oh, said I don't want to have anything to do with God. I said, I don't want to have anything to do with that God stuff. Like, I'm not interested in that. And um, I just still, it gives, brings me tears. That friend that day said, I'm going to pray for her. And she prayed for me every day of our freshman year. And I ended up becoming good friends with her roommate. And um, I pursued a different lifestyle. I mean, I I fell into a typical college freshman lifestyle of just partying, going out, doing whatever I wanted. Um, And just, I mean, mentally and emotionally became more and more secure. Um, Insecure, not secure, insecure. Um, But that friend prayed for me every single day and would invite me to things. Um, and by the end of the year, I finally said, okay, I will go to your thing. <laughs> like, I'll go. And I, I think, you know, she, there were a couple other girls that were like her, and they were, I just, I wanted to be them, right? That's part of shapeshifters. Like, I see what you are, and I think it's good for you over there. Let me, let me get over there where you are. And I just admired them so much. They so seemed curious. so self-assured. They well, seemed, what was it? That made yeah, well, she had a boyfriend, and she was in a good sorority. <laughs> and, <laughs> but there was more to her. But I'm just saying, that was my 18-year-old brain, right? I mean, that was my 18-year-old brain. But um, that's nothing against 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds are wonderful. <laughs> I love them. They're awesome. Um, but that's where I was at that yeah. season in my life. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. I just, I saw that as like the supreme, like then I would be good. Then I would have made it. Then I would have, I could say, I could look back at my awkward high school self and those people who said that thing about me in the bikini or the, or the fraternity guy who rated me a two and I'd be like, yeah, look at this now. You know, like I've got it going on. I just didn't know. But I do think that God was giving me a hunger because what I admired in them was more than that. I mean, they seemed so self-assured and they assured and they, they, they had such a calm and a peace about them. While I was over there on my hamster wheel working so hard, you know, to try to be some version that, that in my mind I had created would be a secure life and a peaceful life and a happy life. And so finally at the end of that year, I said, okay, I'll go to your thing. And I went And it's so interesting, and I think this is a key part of my story, is I think that God was giving me a hunger for himself, but my eyes weren't quite open yet. Um, And so I I saw what they were doing, and I thought, all right, summer's coming. I'm going to pull myself up. I'm going to, yes, I have got this. I'm going to make all the best decisions. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to just reinvent myself again, shape-shifting. And I'm just going to become this wonderful version. And then I'll feel I will be like they are, right? So I missed this huge piece. I missed it, but that's okay because I think God 
wanted it that way. Um, I think he was giving me a hunger for himself and I saw something in them that I wanted and they pursued me. And that friend prayed for me every single day. And I count her like in the heritage, the family tree of my family. She is part of it because she prayed for me every single day and she did not give up on me. Even though I was like, that is dumb. I don't want to do that. There's nothing there for me. And she just kept saying, just come. I just want you to come, you know. And so I finally went. I went home that summer and I was like, this is it. It is on. I am going to be amazing now. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Like, I know what to do. I have got this. I'm going to make all the best choices. I I agreed to go to a prayer breakfast. I was like, yes, (laughs) it is happening. (laughs) And... um, And what the ironic thing about that is, and this is such a piece, like, this is for me, like, I have to be reminded of this constantly, is that what happened was, in the dark corners, in the shadows, my choices got worse and worse. I got a job at a, I'm just going to keep going, you stop me. Okay. I got a job at a local restaurant, and I worked there, and um, would hang out with some of the friends there, and um, we would hang out, and... Um, after work, and then we would go out to dance clubs. I don't know if college students still, do y'all, like, is that a thing to go to dance clubs? I don't even know. So Rachel's like, no. <laughs> that was like the thing. We would go to like line dancing, or I'm like totally revealing my age, or like just go out dancing. I don't know. It was a thing. I'm not even that, I love to dance, but I'm not a great dancer, but I think I am, that kind of thing. So um, I would do that. I went with them, and there was, um, there was a, a person there, a man there in that group who paid attention to me. He paid attention to me and he noticed me. And here I was like just starving for that, right? So starving that I kept making myself into what I thought would get me attention. In seventh grade, I made up this elaborate lie. I got called to the guidance counselor's office and I made up this elaborate lie that my sister had passed out at school and my mom had called school just to let me know that she had passed out and she was okay. And I look back, I'm like, that doesn't happen. But I wanted, I had a crush on a boy in my seventh grade social studies class. I wanted him to notice me. He and that's why you made up that story? I made up that story. I just wanted to be noticed. And, and guess what? He did not notice me. And my sister came to my soccer practice that night. <laughs> and everybody's like, are you okay? And they're like, oh. And my sister's like, I'm fine. I don't know what's going on. And I got caught in my lie. I got caught in my lie. Oh, but that's goodness. how starved I was. Like, I yeah. just wanted somebody to notice me, right? And that is just a part of my brokenness. Um, is I just wanted so much to be known and be loved. And so this man started to pay attention to me. And he was significantly older than me. Um, and so, you know, it was just in little ways at first. Um, but as the summer rolled on and the summer was almost over, we had a night where we stayed after. We all went out to, <laughs> to, to dancing and then came back to the restaurant. Everybody left and we stayed afterwards. And this is the part, and I have shared this with a couple of people. This is, I have to confess that I haven't shared this a lot publicly because I felt a lot of shame about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very much a sucker punch to the gut, like what happened to me that night, what, where I fell. Um, and I'm building it up, I know, and I just need to just tell you, but I need to tell you that this man was married. Um, and he was paying attention to me, and I, I don't want to justify because when you miss the mark, you miss the mark. I'm not going to put lipstick on that. But um, I hear and being noticed by this man, I've never even been kissed. He kissed me that night. It was my first kiss. 
um, after he kissed me, we were just kind of there, and a car came pulling up, and it was his wife and their two children in the back seat. I don't know how to describe the soul sickness that I felt in that moment. I don't know how to describe how the breath was taken out of my body. And I also need to tell you how much I still feel sometimes shame over that. I hate that I fell to that place because I thought I was getting my life together. I thought it. I was convinced. I was like, I am rolling. This is happening. And then I found myself there. And so um, when I was sharing that recently, someone said, well, what did you do? I said, I got in my car and I drove home. Like, what else could I do? I went home. I couldn't tell my parents. How could I tell my parents what I'd done? How could I tell them who I'd become? How could I tell them? How could I, who could I tell? I couldn't tell anybody. There was nowhere for me to go. And in that moment, I said, okay, God, if you can help me, help me. And I, that night, I didn't even really know what to say because I didn't have a real Christian vocabulary. And in fact, later on that week, I went to the, my prayer breakfast and I was like, I said this. I was talking to God and I said this. And they said, oh, you're like this. You're like believing. You're really believing. <laughs> and so they took me to um, they took me to like Lifeway and they got me an, um, an NIV Bible and a Max Lucado. And if you're in my generation, you know, like, Max Lucado was like Tim Keller. You know, it was like, you get the Max Lucado book, right? It's happening now. And so they got me a Max Lucado book and an NIV Bible just so I could. But I know that that night my life changed. And I'll know why, because I could get up the next morning. I went to sleep. And and I'm not saying that soul sickness. And I'm telling you now, like, in some ways, I've let that shame keep me from sharing that story. And I knew that this was coming. And I kept bargaining. I kept saying, okay, God, but, like, if you don't want it, then change, like, just stop everything. So I don't have to tell people this because I am a shapeshifter. And I do care what people think about me. I do. But now it's out. back um, of knowing you and the journey that you've come on, I know that you've come to this place of being able to speak that thing out mm-hmm. because of many things that God has done yeah. in your heart and the journey yes. that he's brought you on. And one of the things that, that you were talking about through your journey of wrestling with him and saying no to him in college and all those things, I love the fact, and he did this uh, with the woman at the well, which is what our... Um, our uh, event is, mm-hmm. is called The Well For out of John 4. And if you've never read the, this conversation that Jesus had with a nameless woman, John 4, read it before next month. But um, it, he, he lets her ask questions. Mm-hmm. He lets her wrestle through it. He, mm-hmm. he, 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 she comes at him with some snarky mm-hmm. uh, responses. But he is so kind and so patient and allows and brings her gently. And it makes me think of what your journey was Mm -hmm. with him. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, it started with, and I have to say this, like I had to understand God let me, sometimes God brings a person low and sometimes he lifts them up. Obviously he let me go low. He let me go really low. Um, But I think I had to understand like there was no building my way to, to who he is. There was no earning that grace. There was nothing that I could bring to the table that would make me worthy of that grace. And I think he just, for a minute, for, well, it was longer than a minute, but he let me see. He let me see. Hey, girl, 
You think you got this? You don't have it. And it was in a very loving way. But and 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 I in my Sunday school we've been studying Hosea and understanding that like that is out of great love that God would allow that. It doesn't feel does that feel good? No. Do I wish I could go back and take that little eighteen year old girl and say, Oh, stop. Get in your car now and drive home. But then I wouldn't have this story to tell. I wouldn't have it. And I know that God used that out of his great love for me. He, he brought me up out of miry clay. And, and everything changed. I mean, I, I don't have a list of steps that I did. Um, in fact, God had already put things in place. He was already in my tomorrow, my roommate, who I had met at freshman orientation. She's six foot two. I'm five foot two. <laughs> we are a pair. When you see us together, it's like, and she is still in my life. My roommate, we had met at freshman orientation. We were both journalism majors. We decided, she said, I'm going to change my major to English. and I'm going to teach high school English. I was like, shapeshifter. I was like, that sounds good. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> and so I did. I did that. I followed her. And we were laughing. I was talking to her recently because I was like, I thought I took this class in college. I'm taking some college classes. And um, I thought I had taken it. She was like, oh, well, I did it. And I was like, well, if you didn't, I did it because I did everything <laughs> you did. I was like, what's Rebecca doing? That's what I'm going to do. But she had such a peace and a calm, like such a lady. You know what I'm talking about? Like a lady. I'm not a lady. I am a lady, but I'm not like super refined or like, I'm just not, I'm a mess. And I guess that's a gift from God because hopefully people see that (laughs) there's no hiding it. So, um, but she, she and I had already agreed to room together. And so then I moved in and I watched her get up in the morning and pray and read her Bible. I've watched the life decisions she made. I listened to her conversations with her family. And it was like, I like to call it stealth mode discipleship. It was like, and I think that's somebody else's term, but like it, I just, she wasn't like intentionally like, let me teach you how, what it looks like to walk with the Lord and what it looks like to lean into grace and what it means to be under that. She just was like, Hey, I'm living my life. And I was like, like, oh, you're doing that? Okay, let me do that. I'm going to do that now too. You know, it was such a gift for me. And I think, you know, just that like knowledge of like, I couldn't even bear myself, but God could bear me just carried me into something so different. And I know, I know because God let me see what happened when I was in control and what happened when I thought I could do it myself. He let me see. In fact, I went and I don't know how to describe it, but like, not like just into the negative, but like underground into the negative, like just so far into a deficit of away from what I wanted to be. Um, and I, I don't know, know if I answered your question. I'm but. sure that, that you did. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing you say is the, the effort that was put forward to being all of who you wanted to be made you fall flat. Mm-hmm. And it's not... I mean, I had to fall flat in my own way to come and realize that there's nothing, nothing, nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do to be all of who God wants me to be, to be the best of who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I've got to fall flat. And when I fall flat, then I realize it's, it's desperate. Mm-hmm. It's desperate for, for someone who loves me and has power to change me from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we do so much outside stuff. We do, we do the, the, the aligning with, with people that we want to be like and, and, and shape-shifting into them. We do all these things. And even church, we come to church thinking 
that that's the outside mm -hmm. that will affect the inside. But I'm hearing you say it wasn't until you came to the end of yourself mm -hmm. and it wasn't until you said, God, help me, mm -hmm. would he begin to change you from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think just as you were sharing, Amy, it reminded me just of this, this idea that I have and it is part of being a shapeshifter. And, and you know if you're here, if you're one, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> but there's like this fear of being found out, Right. But in Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews says, nothing is hidden. Everything is laid bare and is naked in front of him. And guess what his response is? Compassion. We have a Savior who sympathizes with our weaknesses and doesn't turn us away. And so sometimes I just have to remind myself, like, I've already been found out. I mean, I outed myself tonight, but before that, I'd already been found out, right? And there's like nowhere to, what, I've already been yeah. found out. And the response was, come here, girl. Mm -hmm. Come over here. Mm -hmm. I, I sympathize mm -hmm. with your weakness. And I think that's a huge deception that keeps us mm -hmm. stuck, is that we can't bring it out from the darkness. What was, what was Hebrews 4? What was Hebrews that Hebrews 4, um, it's 13... Through the end, through 16. Okay, 13 yeah. through 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then he says, let us draw near with confidence. I mean, the result is confidence, right? I mean, I don't, I still struggle with confidence. I'm just going to be honest. But, um, but that's the result when I remind myself, I've already been found out. Like every, every broken piece in me, every disappointing thing, every negative thought, all of it, even to the point of like letting myself be in a situation that still to this day, when I, re when I go to that moment, my mouth, I can't like, it's dry and I feel that soul sickness, but I've already been found out. So, so now what, you know? Um, yeah. I just wanted to read it because you paraphrased it really well. And my Bible doesn't say naked, but I like that as a visual. Okay. So this says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. It feels scary, right? But it's not. I mean, it's, I mean, we, because I don't know, you might not be somebody who hides, but I am. And so that, that, that can sound scary, but it's so not. Because then what follows is we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, mm -hmm. but one who has been tempted in all things as we are and yet without sin. That he, he lived this life and he, um, he sympathizes with us and then we can draw near to him. So, And then I love um, this in verse 16 because it hits on a word that you've said over and over and over again. And I want you to kind of explain what that means. Mm -hmm. um, it says in verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence mm -hmm. so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned grace throughout um, you sharing your story. What is grace to you? It's a church word. Yeah. And it's a word that is plastered in so many places. Um, but what does grace mean to you? Well, to me, grace means that um, anything that I have done is never going to be enough um, to earn God's love. Anything that I think I, there are all these things that I should do that I don't even know to do because of my brokenness. Um, all of that, all of that distance is covered. Grace means that God reached down all the way down into that 
like into the like me moving beyond like here's where I was and I thought I was going this way and I was like and God just reached down and just said okay I I want relationship with you and so I'm just going to pull you right up here into into my arms and it's not because of what you did or didn't do you can't dis, I can't disqualify myself from it either um, it's not something that you did or didn't do it is I'm this is my gift to you and it's, it's not out of obligation, it's out of love. And it's because I want you. I want you close to my heart. God talks about he's a mother eagle. And he puts us right back there in my Sunday school. I talk about this all the time. But it is, that's where he's like, let me just put you right here. Let me just let you ride on the back of my wings. And let me show you. Let me show you to freedom. Let me take you to a place where you don't have to work so hard because you're already loved, you're already known, and you're already loved. So that's, that's good. That's grace. Yeah. Um, if there is someone that is saying me too to everything that you're saying, mm-hmm. um, and she would come up to you and say, what do I do with this? I, 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 I have been hiding. Um, there's junk that I don't know what to do with. Um, what do I do now? How do I, how do I make that connection between mm-hmm. Jesus and um, his grace, mm-hmm. what would you say to her? Well, I would say to just kind of swim in the idea that you've already been found out. And that 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 response was, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say to just start taking that jump, just getting it out. Just How would you do that? If, I'm probably not to hundreds of people. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Don't come up no, here next month. I'm probably not going to do this again yeah. for a while. <laughs> no, I'm How kidding. I, this out? is such a joy. That was totally a joke. I was yeah. just trying to be funny. But, um, I'm confessing that I was just trying to be funny. But, um, I mean, no, you don't have to do it this way, right? Um, How do you get out your junk? Well, I think that you... Uh, so this is an idea. This is not my idea. So I have to confess. This is um, a woman who runs um, a, a, um, a ministry called Revelation Wellness. Her name is Elisa Keaton. And I just love this, the way she says it. She says, put your thoughts on trial. And I think you do that by comparing it to God's word. If this is what I think God, I am, what does God say? If this is what I think my life looks like, what does God say my life looks like? If this is what I think is good, what does God say is good? Um, and just like aligning it. And if it doesn't hold to what God says, then then we just have to say, nope. And I, I mean, I even, I've been to counseling. I mean, I've learned how to like journal this stuff out because I just wasn't good at taking my thoughts captive. I still struggle with it. I'll let them run all over like this big mess in my mind um but I would say that would be a place to start of just like just start just receive just saying I brought this is what I'm bringing and then hear what he has to say um and and it could be with other people um or it could be just even I mean that moment for me that night it was just me in fact I came back to school um and a couple weeks later and I went to like this um Fellowship of Christian Athletes was like a big ministry when I was in college. And I went and they had like a time of invitation at the end. And everybody was praying. I was like, I'm going to pray that again because I don't know if I said it right the first time. But I prayed again. But I mean, obviously, I know that the first, I mean, I don't, we don't need to do that. But, um, but just that idea of sort of surrounding yourself with truth, reading it, keeping people around you who can say, but no, 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 that's not. This is what's true. And I love what you said, uh, writing it down and then judging about God's heart. But I think sometimes 
the only thing that we can do, the first step, is just getting it out Mm -hmm. and putting words to it. Um, Like, um, you know, I am jealous of, and you can use code words, (laughs) like her initials, right? Or um, I am so jealous of her or, you know, get very specific Mm -hmm. and put words, no matter how ugly they are, put words to those sins, get it out. Mm -hmm. And then if, if that's what you can do, don't leave it there. Um, Hebrews 4, 13 through 16, what Ellen just shared with us, open up your Bible to that point. And then I would probably say too, just, just line it up and and get on a mission of learning what God says, who you are. So now who do you know God says you are? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I can tell you what he says. Yes, I am. He, he says I am his, um, in Isaiah 43, mm-hmm. he says, I've called you by name, you are mine. Um, and I just, I have to return to that over and over again. Like when I start kind of calling myself or I start dwelling on this junk and these failures and these mistakes that I make a lot every day, I make lots of mistakes. I'm just really good at making mistakes. <laughs> um, but, um, and falling short, just reminding myself that he says, well, I'm yours. And I actually, I treasure you so much that I gave another in exchange for you. Um, that's what I think about you. So, um, that's so good. Yeah. You mentioned Isaiah 43. I think that was right. It was right. Okay. And, 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 and knowing kind of what your theme was of going here, but not knowing mm-hmm. anything of the details, this is the verse too that came to my heart that has ministered and, and, and helped me stay focused on who God says I am versus all the crazy lies that happen. And it's Isaiah 43, one through four. I think I skip a verse. Um, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Ellen, He who formed you, Ellen, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Mm -hmm. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Mm -hmm. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, since you are uh, precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you. That is the truth mm-hmm. to the crazy mm-hmm. that we begin to build ourselves up in the lie of what we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the answer's already there, right? Like, what, are, what I'm working for has already been given to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm working to be found precious. That's good. I'm working to be found loved. I'm working to be worth enough that someone would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exchange all of this for you. Mm-hmm. And God says, I, I already, I'm giving it to you. You don't have to work for that. I'm giving it to you. And guess what? Human approval, human acceptance, um, perfection on a human standard, it's like this. And then you got to start all over again. But mine's forever. And it's free. I just want to give it to you because I love you. And guess what? I want to give you beyond what you could handle. I'm going to like just overflow it. And I know that as you... And I know that as you step into that truth, that is when Jesus changes you from the inside out. And how he intersected your story, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for for bringing what was hidden just for you into the light and um, allowing us 
to hear that, to be inspired by it, to allow the Lord to nudge each of our hearts to um, realize that you didn't get zapped when you said it. You didn't puddle onto the floor. You're still here. And how, I mean, after sharing that in this moment, how do you feel? It's out there. I mean, (laughs) there's no turning back now. And and there's a level of freedom when you have to, when you stop hiding it. Yeah. But be, and I would just say this, and you, I know you would agree with this, be careful of who you share it with. Mm-hmm. And, and I will follow that up with, I even, because I've gingerly shared it, and it's been so interesting. Every time I've shared it, people have been like, and? What, what happened next? So I was like, okay, you're going to like, in that moment, you're going to walk away and you're going to think, I don't, I can't be friends with you anymore. Like, I, you're, mm. Yeah, um, I'm done with you. But instead, as I shared it one-on-one with people, Mm -hmm. um, it's just been that response of just like, okay, so then what happened? Like, tell me the rest of the story, right? Mm And um, yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, So as we wrap this up for the women here, what do you hope for them? Um, Well, I think it's so interesting. I shared this from Hebrews 4, and it's couched in this whole... I'm just going to share what I hope for me. It's what I hope for you, too. Um, But that deep soul rest that comes from knowing that we've already been found out, right? And um, that's the theme of Hebrews 4. Um, The writer of Hebrews is talking about, like, there is a a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm -hmm. There is a place where we can rest and, and it comes, it starts from that place of just like, I know who I am. I know who he is. And that what we were singing, I loved it. I was like, yes, he is who he says he is. And I am who he says I am. Um, just that, that being able to rest and just getting off that hamster wheel. And if you see me on the hamster wheel, call me out, call me up, say you on that hamster wheel, girl, get off of it. But, um, but just being able to stop, like just t- stop. You know, and just receive what he has said about us. Mm. So, Well, as the band comes up, I'd love to pray over you um, and over us. As um, I just am so thankful for your honesty and for vulnerability. And um, I know that your heart is for God to use it in this room. So um, will you stand up with me and I'll, I'll hug you if I don't drop everything. My watch just broke. <laughs> and so, and things are dropping out. There it is. But let me just pray. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh, sweet Lord, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that we don't have to be scared of our junk. That, Lord, we can stand in the midst of our brokenness and know that you see us and you know us and you love us completely and deeply. I thank you for Ellen. I thank you for her life and the journey that you had her on and that you have her on, God, and for the the way that you're drawing her close in very specific ways. Thank you for her obedience to step into this space and to share it with these women. And I echo her hope that we will be women who will not be be afraid of the truth, that will be able to stand in your light and receive your grace in that space. Jesus, thank you for yourself. Thank you for freedom. And thank you that we don't have to struggle on that hamster wheel. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Ellen. Ellen the shapeshifter. The self-proclaimed people pleaser. On her hamster wheel trying to do all the things. I know that wheel all too well. She says she grew up 
going to church, but didn't understand what grace was. I mean, ain't it the truth? We don't understand what grace is or that we even need it. She says, grace means nothing I have done is ever going to be good enough to earn God's love. I mean, that can sound discouraging that we can't earn it until finally one day we realize it's there already and it's a gift. It's grace. It's the Father's love. Bye, guys. See you next time.